0: Welcome to Storytime with T.L. Rutledge. This is your narrator speaking. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. Chapter 2 Nightmares 1204 The Byzantine Empire As Alexander slept in his tent, the cold ground gave him no comfort. He tossed and turned frequently, haunted by visions Of that beast that attacked him in Marcus. He saw its teeth gleaming in the darkness and its piercing blue eyes burning directly into his, then its razor-sharp claws swiping at his chest, and he felt the burning even in his nightmare. He was relieved when the dream finally started to fade, until he became aware of the shouting and the clamor of armored feet outside his tent, getting louder and louder until Alexander awoke. Croggily, he crawled out of his tent And just in time, he fell back, barely escaping the trampling of soldiers running frantically in all directions. Some were handing out weapons, but others cowered and hid. Alexander rushed from his tent and grabbed the arm of the fleeing soldier. What the devil is happening? The young soldier's face showed horror and absolute shock as his voice trembled. Great beast, run! Then he shoved Alexander out of the way and ran off. Few, if any, would understand what the boy just said but Alexander knew all too well. Marcus was right. There was another beast like the one who attacked them. Alexander grabbed the silver blade that was hidden underneath his cot and dashed towards the surgeon's tent. Narrowly colliding with more fleeing soldiers, he managed to reach the tent unharmed, but was dismayed when he found it empty. The surgeon laying in a bloody heap a few yards from the tent, the bed where Marcus had been resting was destroyed, but Marcus himself was nowhere to be found. Alexander felt his heart pounding, and the panic within him started to grow, as he searched the tent frantically to discover anything that could tell him where his brother had gone. Then he heard it, the howl, that deep, echoing wail that would cause the bravest of soldiers to cower. Alexander shuddered at the sound, but he still pressed on toward it. He knew Marcus must be wherever the beast was. Alexander followed the trail of dismembered soldiers through the camp until he saw it. There stood the towering creature, with his black fur, strange blue eyes, huge claws, and knife-like fangs. One brave soldier was attempting to fight it, taking a shot with his bow, but the arrow merely ricocheted off the creature's skin. The great beast sprinted at the archer, then grabbed and tossed him across the camp as if he were nothing more than a rag doll. The poor soldier landed in a mangled heap and didn't move. Three more soldiers tried to flank the creature, but before they could even swing their swords, they were swatted to the ground by its muscular arms. The beast then turned and locked eyes with Alexander, who readied himself with his silver blade. His heart was pounding against his ribs, and his palms were sweating as he gripped the blade tighter. When he stared into the beast's blue eyes, however, he saw something he didn't expect. In those piercing eyes, there was something familiar. The beast's eyes weren't glowing with rage like the beast in a dungeon. Instead, these eyes were filled with horror. Alexander felt his pounding heart stop. He grew numb and collapsed to the ground, paralyzed, as if his blood had ceased to flow. Time itself seemed to stand still as realization dawned upon him. He looked up at the great beast again and stared into its eyes, eyes that Alexander knew well. This monster was Marcus. For an instant, they looked at each other, face to face. Then the beast turned off and ran into the night. Marcus, Alexander whispered. He sat there for a long while, frozen in shock. Questions rushed through his mind. How did Marcus turn into the beast he had slain in the dungeons? Why did he kill all those men? What could Alexander do to help his brother now? Alexander did not have the answers, but he knew there was only one place where he could find them. William had told him to speak to the gypsies, and that was where he would go. The next morning, the sun shone brightly over the still smoldering city. All through the night, Alexander remained in the exact spot where he had collapsed, unable to move. A soldier who was burying the dead knocked into him, breaking Alexander from his daze. He soon realized the camp was preparing to pack up and move out. The base commander approached him and knelt beside him. I know how close you were with your brother, but now you must carry on with us. That is the only way to honor him. The commander seemed to believe that Marcus had also been killed by the beast. I must grieve for my brother. He needs a proper burial, Alexander lied. I want to bury his remains alongside my parents back home on Lundy. Alexander knew he couldn't tell the commander the truth because he wouldn't believe it. Alexander barely believed it himself. All he knew was he had to find the gypsies. No, you cannot, the commander replied sternly. I need you here with our men, now more than ever. The commander stood to leave, and Alexander implored him once more. Sir, I beg you, I have to bury my brother back home. I cannot offer any special treatment for anyone. Many crusaders have lost brothers and fathers in this war, and none were granted permission to return home and bury their loved ones. Sir, please, he is all I have left, Alexander begged. I will all return, I promise. This was... A lie, too, as he didn't have any intention of coming back. He knew that all of this would not be over simply by getting answers. He needed to find Marcus and help him as well. If you leave this camp, you will be labeled a deserter. That is my final word. The commander stared straight into his eyes, then turned and walked away. As he watched the commander leave, Alexander already knew his fate. No matter what, blood was more important than honor. He needed to find Marcus, and the gypsies were the only ones who could help him. He had to leave now. Alexander quickly made his way to William's tent and found him packing up his supplies. "'I was sorry to hear about Marcus. Is there anything I can do to help?' William asked kindly. "'Yes, there is,' Alexander replied, as he looked around to make sure no one overheard what he was about to say next. "'Marcus was not killed by the beast. Somehow, that beast was Marcus.' I need to find him, and to do that, I need to find the gypsies. Alexander, you do realize what you are suggesting, William asked, stunned. The legends of the lycanthrope are true, but if you leave, you will live with a deserter. Then I'll be a deserter. My family will always be more important, Alexander replied. William, please, I need your help. I can't leave this camp alone. I'll be seen unless there is some kind of distraction that will allow me to slip away. What could possibly distract them? William thought aloud. After a few moments his eye brightened. The silver blade. Good idea. Here. Alexander replied, handing it to William. You will need it, William hesitated. We will melt it down and create two blades, one you take to defend yourself, and the other I'll just use to distract the soldiers. Alexander smiled. I think that is a plan that might just work. William nodded. He took the blade to the forge and melted it down into a silver liquid. Alexander watched as William poured the silver into two molds, both designed for knives. He had just enough to create the two blades. It took a while to cool, and when they did, evening was quickly approaching. William handed one of the blades to Alexander. Be careful, Alexander. I will, and thank you for everything. Take care of yourself. Ha! I'll try my best, William replied as Alexander walked away, turning to wave to his old friend for what may very well be the very last time. Alexander returned to his tent and gathered his few belongings. Soon, he heard a great commotion in the camp as soldiers gathered near William's tent. Alexander stepped out as another soldier passed. What's happening? Alexander asked, playing dumb. The blacksmith has a real silver blade. Everyone is going to go see it. I'll meet you there, Alexander lied waiting for the soldier to leave. When everyone was a good distance away from his tent, Alexander sneaked out toward his stable and packed his saddle. He mounted his horse and trotted out of the camp as soundly as he could. When all he could see were the campfires glowing in the distance, he kicked his horse to a quickened speed. This marked the first time Alexander had ever been on his own without his brother at his side. I must find Marcus, was his only thought. This journey would surely be his most difficult yet. Traveling at night was dangerous, but it would be cooler and less strenuous, and he wouldn't tire himself or his horse as quickly. Romania would take only a few days to reach, but finding the exact location of the gypsies would be much more difficult. Alexander had been a crusader for three long, hard, riveting years, and he hadn't been home in quite some time. He and Marcus were granted leave only twice in in those three years. Though they both were knights, they weren't offered any greater benefits than the other soldiers. They were given better swords, better armor, and a horse, nothing else. As Alexander continued to ride, his thoughts went to his father. Their father had been a wealthy man, known as the Thane of Lundy. Lundy was a small island off the southern coast of England, and it was the only home the brothers had ever known. They lived inside Lundy Castle, a structure not very extravagant, but rather rustic and quaint. Despite its solitary position on the Lone Island, it has, it has held its own for generations. Time and again, pirates would pl- attempt to plunder the island, but because of the strategic point where the castle stood, no one ever conquered it. Richard, fan of Lundy, was a very protective and secretive man. He often spent hours in his study looking over old maps and writing in his journal for days at a time. Richard died under mysterious circumstances a year before the brothers joined the Crusades. Some said he couldn't handle the death of his wife, their mother, who had died the previous year of an incurable, incurable illness. Even Marcus and Alexander didn't know the whole story of how their father died. They had found him hanging by his neck in the watchtower on the northern end of the island. Everyone reasoned that Thane had killed himself, but the brothers didn't believe their father would ever commit such an act. They searched fervently for a perpetrator, but there was no evidence ever found that anyone was with their father at the time of his death. Three years had passed. And it was still a thought that very much occupied Alexander's mind. If you'd like to learn more about my books, The Archangel Chronicles, please head on over to tlrutledge.com to learn more. There, you can also purchase both Immortal and Resistance. You can read reviews for both books. And there's also a wiki page where you can learn more about characters creatures, and organizations. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Chapter 2, Nightmares. Chapter 3, Surprising Discoveries, will be coming soon.